Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. If your brain is not fun at its best, then check out the team at vlight.com. Vlight produces photobiomodulation devices. Your brain function depends largely on the health of the energy sources of the brain cells, the mitochondria. Now, research has shown that stimulating your brain with near-infrared light revitalizes mitochondria. I use these devices daily for both my own optimal brain function and to slow age-related decline, and also for for my mum's brain rehabilitation after her aneurysm and stroke. So check out what the team at VLight do and use the code TAMATI, that's T-A-M-A-T-I, at checkout to get a 10% discount on any of their devices. Hi everybody, Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits and today I have a very special couple of guests with me, Brian Hogan and Chloe Hogan, all the way from Auckland. Hi guys, how are you doing? Good, good thanks. Yeah, good morning, Lisa. <laughs> we've had a little bit of technical troubles trying to get you on here, but we've worked it out. So yeah. now I have, a, this is a very special story guys that I wanted to share with you, the audience, because uh, Chloe's had an incredible um, difficult journey behind her and her dad and her family. And I wanted to share a little bit of their story because it sort of parallels a little bit um, what I went through with my mum. And um, so I'm going to start with you, um, Brian. Where, what actually happened to Chloe? Can you take us back to eight years ago? Okay, well, on the morning of her 22nd birthday, she left to go to work at around 5.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And within well, four, about three k's down the road, she, um, for some unknown reason at this stage, well, what we won't ever know, she swerved to miss something on the road. It was a foggy, wet morning. Yep. And uh, she lost control of her car and slammed passenger side on into a, a heavy concrete car pile. Um, she sustained a traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, there was a, a, a trauma theatre nurse living within 30, 30 metres of the crash. Wow. Her husband came out, saw the situation, called the her, called his wife, came out, and she stabilised, cleared her airway, stabilised Chloe, got her breathing. Soon after that, um, somebody had rung the, the um, 111, and the police arrived, and then the ambulance arrived, and uh, she was taken to Middlemore Hospital. Wow. We, uh, so were completely unaware of that, and uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning, we had a knock on our door, and there was two policemen standing there, and of course you get uh, wonder what this is all about. You think the worst, and it was the worst almost. And um, they said Chloe had been involved in a in an accident, and uh, that she was very serious. The accident was was in their terminology a grade nine, um, and grade ten is uh, a fatality. So they kindly offered to drive us through the Middlemore, which they did at great speed, and. Um, we arrived to find Chloe had been stabilised in the hospital, and uh, but she was totally unconscious, of course. She was hooked up to all sorts of hoses and gadgets. Mm. And then they, um, then we were told that they they didn't have the the equipment to continue the treatment there. She needed further urgent uh, in, intervention, medical intervention, so she was put in an ambulance. And again, we, following her, rushed through to Auckland Hospital where she was went into intensive care. And um, wow, yeah, so it was quite a quite a morning. Yes, it yes it was. And 
So Chloe was um, only 22 years old, major brain uh, injury. So she's hanging on for dear life. She's in the hospital. Of course, Chloe, you won't remember any of this, will you? No. Nothing. Thank goodness. That's, <laughs> a <good thing. laughs> That's a really good thing. So Brian, I know that um, then it was touch and go for a fairly long time. Chloe was in a coma in the ICU unit. Um, what was that time in your life like? Well, I guess that first uh, two or three days, you were just a sideline observer, really. You couldn't do anything. We were totally numb, totally yeah. numb. It was like an out-of-body experience. Um, you know, the, we, we weren't told that she was going to pull through. We weren't told that she was going to die because wow. nobody really knew. So it was a time of um, great concern. Wow. And uh, she was blissfully sleeping through all this. <laughs> Thank goodness, yeah. Worrying ourselves sick. Um, but anyway, I think on the third day, uh, Dr. Stephen Street called us or called a meeting with the family and said that at this stage, there was a, a high likelihood that she wouldn't die. So, um, so she was, uh, he said, be prepared for a long journey. Yeah. And, um, and it's been. have to go with the, right out the storm, as, as it were. So I know that um, she was in coma for, I think, 23 days, but at day like 19 or something, they said to you, you might have to turn off the life support. What was That's that? That's correct. That's yeah. correct. She was transferred to high dependency after a week out of um, intensive care. And uh, after, oh, I think it was the 19th day or the 20th day, we were called to a meeting with um, a senior registrar on the high dependency ward who said to us, um, there is no chance that Chloe will wake out of her coma. Oh. Her, her injuries are too severe and you probably, the family need to consider the alternatives, which is withdrawal of life support. And he pushed a document or pamphlet across the desk to us. <laughs> and we were just devastated. You were devastated and you actually refused, didn't you, Brian? Yeah, we thought, we thought about it. <laughs> I had favourite. <laughs> yeah, of course you're his favourite. <laughs> so yeah, you you um basically you you know it, it came to be that you left the life support on and thank God you did. Is that what happened? Uh, I thought about it for all of ten seconds and said, No, we're not doing that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um pointed to the little little document on the wall that says they can't do that without uh intervention you know on the on yeah. the wall of the hospital that's your rights yes brilliant um and so that was it i think uh, you know everyone went away pretty um upset um but anyway just normal for chloe on the 23rd day she woke up she woke up just four days later yeah and they were expecting her to you know not not wake up ever at, at all um this is this is pretty frightening though, Brian, uh, if you think about it, like uh, how many times has life support been turned off when it didn't need to be turned off? Well, exactly. I've thought about that a million times. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I've always been a pretty determined person, so I thought yeah. we're not going to give up. And Hell no. It's certainly not three weeks in, into the, the drama. Um, mm -hmm. I remember with mum, I was, you know, given non-resuscitation orders to sign and I wasn't as polite as you. Just saying no. I, I used some stronger language back to them. <laughs> there was no way I was doing that. Um, and, you know, uh, so after Chloe woke up, of course, she had massive brain damage. Um, and Chloe, 
what is the very first memories that you have? How many months passed or, you know, your dad will be able to help you here, but how many months before you can actually remember anything? The, the first thing I remember was another patient at ABI shouting. Okay, so you have actual little bits of memory of actually in the, in the hospital still. Okay. No, in the rehab. In the rehab, okay. So after... I have no memory of hospital. Yeah, so oh, she was in Auckland Hospital for two months two and months. then transferred to Cabot ABI, which is out in Ranui. And um, yeah, so that, that was probably four months after her accident before she has that memory. Wow. And that was the very first one. Now, did Chloe have any, um, any uh, movement, any, any speech, any memory of you at all when she, you know, after a couple of months? Or was she pretty much, um, you know, non-functioning? Um, she, well, at Auckland Hospital once, um, well, she had a, an issue she was biting her tongue early on, so they had to intervene with gadgets to stop her tongue movement, which was very oh. invasive and yes. terrible. So she had tubes in her mouth and must gadget stuck in her mouth. And she had a trochea and she was had a peg and a tummy to be fed. Yep. <laughs> so she was all wired up. So even though she had woken up, she had no real response. We couldn't she couldn't talk. She could see us, and she made um, she made eye eye contact. Yep. But she was, <laughs> she was, you know, the um, the left side of her body wasn't functioning, so she couldn't see out the left side. And uh, so that world took probably six months to come back, grow really you know, slowly. So the eyesight actually came back. Okay, so well, she could see with, see on her right right side yeah um but hang on i've got that around the wrong way i don't know <laughs> my left and right she could, <laughs> she could see see on her right side but the left side wasn't functioning so she couldn't see on the left side so her world stopped there stopped there said, Not okay. but anyway the winds um when they were getting after the two months when it was obviously very she was stabilised and she was reactive. Um, and little by little, they pulled some of these tubes and things out, but she was still stuck with this mouth thing. Yep. Um, but once the trochea and that came out, and I was there on the night and the, the senior nurse said, I think she can cope by herself, so she, and we're gonna remove that trochea. So she moved that and pulled the mouth thing out. Wow. First thing she said to me is, Daddy. Oh. Oh, that'll make you pull your eyes out, wouldn't it, Brian? <laughs> so she remembered you. She had obviously some function and some memory still there. And she yeah. already, and that's a good sign because um, early on in the piece, you know, it's pretty hard not, you know, to, to, to you don't know. I know with mum, I didn't know whether she knew who I was or what I was or, or anything. <laughs> and, and Chloe, you've got a, a very, very special mum and dad, haven't you? Yep. So you've been now in this journey for eight years and from that time that you woke up from the injury and in that whole time you've been working really, really hard and your, and your parents and your family have been working really, really hard to bring you back. Mm. How hard has this journey been for you and what, what has it been like? Terrible. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Been so hard. So hard. Tell me some of the worst things that you've been through. Like at the very beginning, you obviously couldn't control anything in your body at all? No, I don't think so. Well, she had um, upper limb, reason, not reasonable, but an okay upper limb movement. Yep. She, but she had, you know, we had to help feed her every meal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for months, probably yeah. six months. Um, yeah. I'd just like to go back to one thing that might your audience might be interested in, and for others that are going through this, yeah, you know, I became, I, I did as much research as possible, everything, yeah. and Dr. Google's probably one of yes. the best. Yes, isn't he wonderful? And, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things on that that I found out was stimulation was important no matter what. So while she was, and well, while she was in, in, um, in uh, not intensive, in high dependency, she, um, I used to sing to her. Well, my voice. My yeah, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Gorgeous. Better than kill you uh, something else. <laughs> and I also used to read to her. So I'd read a, a book loud, out loud so she'd hear it. But every time I did that, uh, and even my singing, her heart rate went down. So she was wow. sitting at around 90 to 100 um, beats per minute heart rate. Well, it had dropped to 70. Wow. Almost every time. So she was getting it. She was, she was, it was, was getting her comfort yeah. and stimulating. And, uh, you know, so that, you know, mm -hmm. for folks that, uh, that are in the same situation and might like to try that, there was a young guy at ABI who had, was a boxer and he sustained a, a traumatic brain injury in the pre-fight in his training. And he was almost totally comatose. So I, his mother was there regularly, but when she wasn't, I used to go and sit with him and I talked to him about boxing. And gosh, he just, you know, you could see he'd smile and he'd give his facial um, yep. responses. So, you know, just, as I said, never give up and try everything that's possible. But, you know, stimulation and happiness is a great um, mender. Yeah. Mm. And, and I think um, it's really important that people treat them as if they are there, eh, Brian? Absolutely. Don't, don't talk to them as if they're not present or over them. That's what I found very, very frustrating um, in the early days, did you find that? Like they would talk as if Chloe didn't exist. Yeah, yeah the, the medical staff would talk to talk over her, as they always do when you're in hospital. If you've yeah. been through it. But, um, but I made it personal and I made them talk to her and address her, even though she was yep. not oh, responsive. <laughs> but, um, they we just I just we just stuck with it. We're not gonna give up. So Yeah. And and giving people that respect even though they can't respond is very, very important for anybody who has disabilities or anybody who can't communicate or has had a stroke or brain injury, you know, always give them the full respect that you'd give anybody else and talk to them about their situation. You know, I find that really, really offensive when people don't do that, even though they can't respond. Um yeah, you, you, you went to Dr. Google. That's exactly what I did. I went like hardcore researching everything in the, the universe on brain yeah. injury. Um, and I know like for the listeners, Brian and I connected um, a few years down the track with Chloe. And actually I was probably half a year in or a year in with mum's rehab when we connected, I think. 
And you rang me one day about hyperbaric oxygen therapy to see what I what I thought about that. I think you'd yeah, you'd correct. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey because that happened already. That was already four years in or so to to Chloe's rehab. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It, it um, well, almost early days. I said to medical staff, you know, how about hyperbaric oxygen treatment? And to every single person, every single medical person I spoke to gave me no joy at all. No, don't know yep. anything about that. Yep, that's not proven. It's uh, <laughs> quackery. <laughs> but I, you know, I played for. I played in the Auckland rugby. I played for college, college rifle seniors, and we played navy. And I got to talk to Buck Shelford before he was an All Black. He reckons he was almost <laughs> an All Black. <laughs> I'm sure he was, Chloe. Buck said to me, "Oh, the boys go in. You know, we're talking after the game. Oh, the boys go into the into the decompression chamber, which they had on the navy base. Yes. The next day after the game, and he said you could watch bruises disappear." Yep. Now that was when I was about nineteen or twenty, so it was a hell of a yeah, long, long time ago. But that that sort of it stuck with me. So almost one of the early things I thought about, or how about hyperbaric, wow. and, and got nowhere with it. And I, I I sort of gave up on it because we got so much negativity from it, yeah, and we yeah, had yeah. a lot on our plate, and we're thinking about other things. But anyway, um, we she had to have an operation in middle at uh, Mater Hospital to correct uh, her foot. So while we're sitting in there for about a week and I was reading books, I really got stuck into this hyperbaric and I found this chamber, this private chamber in Mapua, just yeah. out of Nelson. And so that was approximately four years on this journey that we went to Mapua. And it was actually the first time I was down there when Clay was going through hyperbaric that I rang you. Well, she had um, 20, 20 treatments at Mapua the first time, and within a week of coming away, she be, she be, she got control of a bowel. So she was for four years wow. she was incontinent. So she wow. had to wear a nappy for four years, and um, and uh, so that that was just a huge step. Now there was nothing else different that we did that other than Barrett that fixed that. So this is, this is four years, I want people to listen carefully, this is four years into the rehabilitation, because a lot of people have said to me, oh, it's too late, I had a stroke five years ago or 10 years ago, it's no use me doing it. Four years after the event, 20 sessions, and you've already got a major, major breakthrough. This might not sound major, but as, as, as both of us and, and all of us have gone through, being incontinent is major. And yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun, is it, Chloe? <laughs> no. And after 20 treatments to get control, that means that part of the brain is coming back online. That's what yeah. that is. Um, and then you, so you had to go all the way to Marpua. So there's a there's a a, a medical grade uh, hyperbaric facility down in Marpua Nelson, which I think is unfortunately closing. If it hasn't already closed, has it, Brian? Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's on the, in the process of closing down, but there's it's so much. Um, oh, absolute tragedy. You know, so, there's so much pressure from people who know about it. So it's just trickling along, but it, it'll eventually close. I imagine by the end of last, you know, this year it won't be this year. Right, if, if we had lots of money, we'd go and buy it and get it up and running again, you know. Um, so 
Dr. Tim Ewer is the, is, the, is the doctor down there. He was in charge of the Christchurch uh, hyperbaric facility before he went then private. Now, hyperbaric is a hugely beneficial, and if you're listening to this, guys, he was a, a, one of the world's leading experts on this podcast uh, over two years ago now, Dr. Scott Scher, who shared his insights. So go back and look up, and I'll put in the show notes the link to that um, episode, because this is really powerful. So you did that 20 sessions, and then you went back again, and this, each time you're taking Chloe right down to Nelson, you're staying, living down there, which is a hell of a sacrifice, Dad, isn't it? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. It was nice a nice place, though. If yeah. you want to go for a holiday, go to Mapua. It's, just it's, a, it's yeah. a lovely place. But, um, and Chloe, you had to go in this chamber every day, pretty much. Every day, apart from weekends. Yeah. Weekends, I got to go shopping. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> She's an expensive daughter, isn't she? She sure is. My God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, how many sessions did you end up having in Mapua, Brian? Uh, 185, I think. 185 of the medical grade hyperbaric uh, treatments. And as she progressed, what were the things that you saw come back online? Because when I met Chloe for the first time, she was fully in a wheelchair, unable to stand or anything like that. Um, what happened over that 185 sessions? That's a lot of sessions, but that's it's nothing when you're compared to a lifetime. Eh? Oh, yeah, like mm -hmm. it was. Um, well, it it just changed everything. She she gained when gained control of her limbs, so her feet, you know, the walking part of it. She was in a in a um, a high walker. What are they called? A gutter frame. A gutter frame. Yep, yep, yep. And, and she has to have somebody in front of it pulling, and and somebody behind making sure yep. she didn't fall over. No so she was four years down the track. That's as good as she'd got. After hyperbaric, she was able to walk. In the gutter frame, unassisted, you know, over a period of time, so the more we went down there. So, her feet placement, it was the first thing I noticed was um, probably after about 40 sessions, or, um, she could manage her feet and place them in the right place instead of getting them tangled up. So, then she was stable on the gutter frame. Wow. So, didn't need a person front and a person yep. behind. Yep. And from that, she's gone on, she's into, you know, she was into the, the walker. And now she's she's walking. She can walk the length of basketball court. Wow, Chloe! Unaided, so. Chloe, you you were on television recently, weren't you? Because yeah. this was a, a Christmas miracle that you gave to your dad. What did you, what did you do? Yeah, me and Jane organised for the bit to be on Seven Sharp. And I always wanted to be on TV. Heck yes, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and you showed them in this video clip, you showed your dad and your mum, you for the first time taking some steps, is that right? Yeah. And they caught it on camera. Yeah. I'll, I'll put the link to that guy, that video guys. These are Chloe's first steps. Now this is after 185 hyperbaric sessions, thousands of hours of physiotherapy, um, Goodness knows what else you've done as well, Brian, for her. Um, We've done everything. You've done everything under the sun, pretty much. If someone said... There was, there was this weird musical therapy. <laughs> Have you stuck... The, I've got lasers that I stick up mum's nose. I, I've done everything possible. <laughs> I think I've tried that too. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've still got that. I actually think it's great. Um, you know, in other words, we didn't just... Both of us approach this with try everything. If it's not risky, try it. 
And if it's yep. risky, we'll weigh up the risks and we'll have a go at it and research like hell and take responsibility. Don't wait for the medical professionals to give you the go ahead. Don't wait for the green light for hyperbaric therapy. You know, this isn't an advert for, for hyperbaric therapy, but it, but it, it is a very powerful therapy if you have enough sessions. Um, and it's just an absolute travesty that Mapua is perhaps closing because the regulations around this are just terrific. They've made it very, very difficult from what I hear for Dr. Tim to, to function. And yet there are, there are these stories. My mum has had 250 hyperbaric sessions. I ended up buying a, what they call a mild hyperbaric um, chamber, which is not as good as the one in Mapua, but it was the best that we could do. I had the first 33 sessions with her in a, in a proper, if you want to call it that, a proper chamber. Um, but that was through a dive company and that was, you know, taken off and we couldn't use it anymore. Um, and I credit that with giving me enough brain back of mum's brain that I could then teach her to walk and to do the things. And the same would have been with you, eh, Brian, with the, with the, with the process coming back. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like feet placement is quite important. <laughs> Huge. Uh, she's got control of them all, but, and, and i put that down to hyperbaric because nothing else is, is well she's had lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff but i suppose that's been one of the biggest parts of the puzzle putting it back together it's the key of it because it so what hyper what hyperbaric does people is it hyper oxygenates your your body so you're getting about seven times the amount of oxygen into the body and it's compressing the oxygen molecules so that it can actually pass through the blood brain barrier to the parts of the brain that are damaged but not dead so the dead parts we're unable to bring back but typically around the dead parts of tissue there is what they call the ischemic penumbra and these are cells that are alive, but they're not functioning. And these are the ones that we can hopefully target with hyperbaric and bring back. It also hits the inflammation pathways in the brain and in the body. And it also helps uh, produce more stem cells. And all of these things help the body to repair. So it's not a quick fix. It's something that you need to have a lot of sessions in. But as you can see with Chloe, after four years of not getting very far at all, and then having these 185 sessions over the period of, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, she's now walking. That is massive. She now has control over her, her bowels and her body and control over a hell of a lot more. Her speech has also improved greatly, hasn't it, Chloe? You're talking pretty normal now. Yeah. Because when I, when I met I you, think, it was slow. Yeah, I think when I met you, it was quite slow. And it was. It was. And, and it's a huge difference. So um, it, it's a hugely powerful, and you've got your whole life ahead. You're a super young lady, and I know that you've got your 30th birthday coming up. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> You're invited. You oh, <laughs> I'm invited. Fantastic. I'll try and get to that, Chloe. And um, Chloe, so Chloe's dad and I have, have sort of exchanged notes along the road, haven't we, Brian? And, and yeah, we have given each other tips and tricks of what we've learned along the way. And this has been really a multi-pronged approach. It's not just the one thing. A huge part of it has been hyperbaric, but it's also thousands of hours with therapists and training and retraining the mind. It's having the guts and the determination. Like if Brian wasn't such a 
feisty, don't take any shit person who is going to push through every barrier. And if I wasn't the same, then I don't think mum or Chloe would we be where they are. And by the same token, Chloe and mum are also identical in that they are fighters. They are people that persist, that are resilient. The positivity that Chloe brings to this really difficult journey is nothing short of mind-blowing. I've been absolutely astounded to watch you over the last few years on how you've just fought. You're, you're definitely a chip off the old block, aren't you? You're yeah. You're your dad's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a marathon runner, so I have lots of grit. Exactly. So, Chloe, you were just a couple of weeks away from running your first marathon when the accident happened, eh? No, it was my second one. Your second one. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. I forgot you'd already had the one. Sorry, and I was dead sure I was going to do it in under five hours because the first one was five hours one minute and twenty six seconds. <laughs> and I was pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> you would have smashed it too. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, though, that dream is still alive in you, isn't it? To yeah. actually again get out there and race and be in a in a in a race. You've actually done a five k. Is that right? Yeah, we did Kawakawa Bay Fun Run. Fun Run, and you did it on your your frame at that time. Your your Zimmer frame thing. Yeah. No, yeah. her walk. She did it well, yeah. I guess you could call it, but yeah, she did it on a walker all by herself. Well, she had lots of people around her helping her, not or encouraging her, encouraging her, but she did, she, did she the did. whole 5k by herself, apart from a very steep part that she needed a bit of, bit of help push. On. Yeah, that's but, insane. Yeah. That is so amazing, Chloe. Mum, you've got mum beat. I'm up to two k's with mum, but <laughs> we haven't got to five k's yet. <laughs> And Chloe's story and Brian's story is in my new book, which is coming out in March, called Relentless. Um, and it's, it's another example of an incredible comeback story. And that's why I was really keen to share this. And Brian is hopefully going to write the book one day. And Brian and Chloe are going to get their bums into gear and share this insight as well. Even though writing a book is a mission. <laughs> I hope yeah. you guys do because this is an incredible story, Chloe, and it's not finished yet because you've still got a wee ways to go on, on different yeah. things to get full independence. Brian, do you think Chloe will ever reach full, full independence again and be able to, you know, flat on her own or, or live in a house with, with flatmates and that type of thing? Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah? a doubt. Yeah. Really? That's amazing. So at the moment you're with mum and dad? Yeah. Yeah, and are you sick of mum and dad? Do you want your own independence? Uh, he goes away sometimes, so it's okay. Oh, so it's just you and Ma. <laughs> yeah. And then you girls go shopping a bit more and spend, spend some more money, do you? Yeah. Mum doesn't really like shopping. I go oh, No. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a credit card, so I'm oh. He keeps a, gr a grip on it, does he? I hope so. He needs to by the sound of it. So, Chloe, what are the next steps in your journey? What are you working on at the moment? Because you're always working on something, eh? Yeah. Uh, to be able to walk without the walker for, like, a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And what are the things that she's struggling with, Brian, in that respect? So, is it balance or spatial awareness or co coordinating your feet and things still? Uh, uh, balance, really. I think it's just balance yeah. at this point. She's getting, yeah, like, Almost every day she gets better at it. Like we're 
we've been away down at uh, Tyroof since uh, Christmas or a day or so before Christmas. And even I notice, even though we're here all the time with her, even I know she can climb the stairs and descend the stairs now with minimal assistance. Whereas wow. you know, at, at Christmas it was, you know, you had, to, you had to keep a close eye on her, but she can do it all by herself now, just with um, me making sure she doesn't fall. Are you using functional neurology? That's something that I'd highly recommend you guys start looking into if you haven't already, which is using, uh, so doing things like with your eyes, balancing, you know, different eye exercises that really helped me with mum with her facial awareness and her balance um, stuff. So if you, if you, are you doing that at all with, with Chloe? Uh, maybe, the, not that I'm aware of, Lisa, if you could send me that, um, yeah, I'll send you a couple of videos um, and links to doctors who, who teach this online. Um, uh, I'd, also, I'd also recommend you go to a, a good chiropractor that perhaps knows about functional neurology. I'm not sure if there's one up in Auckland or not, but um, and just get things looked at from that perspective because adjusting the back can also help with... Um, yeah. I've got mum at the chiropractor at the moment. We're trying to straighten out her spine. Of course, things are going a little bit skew-whiff after four years of being you know, leaned over on one side. And that can help with the neurological function as well. So you know, as you see, people, like it's really important to share these, these insights and information with each other because we're still learning, we're still growing, mm -hmm. we're still moving forward. And each time you come, you take a step forward, you actually come up against a new obstacle I've found. Hey, hey Brian, do you yeah. want to do something, some new piece that you haven't thought about, a new, a new level, a new devil sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. You know, like the other thing that, that I think is important is... is uh, sustenance you know the right uh, oh yeah the right food those make a, a, a significant difference as well i think huge difference from the right food for a brain is really really important um and having good high fats good omega-3s um really important i have a whole regime of different supplements that i also have mum on um and we also do something called epigenetic testing and i got into this brian it looks because it looks at your gene genetic makeup and how they're expressing now and gives the exact right diet for that person's genes. So oh, yeah. that could be something that we, we talk yeah, about as well. For sure, I'd like to look at yeah. them. And do it. Yeah, because I think what, what, what the key takeaway from this, guys, is obviously hyperbaric is really important. Second is resilience and fight and persistence and not giving up. And thirdly, having the support of a wonderful family or friends or people that can help anyone going through a drama like this and being resilient and then also the right diet and taking a really multi-pronged approach not just relying on drugs not relying on just physio it's not enough it's not enough it's a part of the puzzle but it's it's not it's not enough for brain injury but there is a way back and there is quality of life you know chloe you're a pretty happy lady nowadays aren't you yeah you always seem to be jetting around the place and having yeah, a wonderful yeah, time. Yeah, I like travel. <laughs> you love travel. You've got a wonderful family. You're moving again. You're walking again. You're going somewhere. You've got your job sort of set for the next couple of years while you get yourself back to more independence. And But there's quality of life and there is happiness here. And it's, um, yeah. it's an amazing story, guys. Brian, are there any last words, or Chloe, any last words that you want to encourage people who might be going through hardships it doesn't even need to be brain injury but just hard times well i you know I, my big um, disappointment through all of this lisa is a, the um, a number of the professionals just don't get it and uh, 
you know, like a lot, probably more than 50% of the, um, you know, the psychologists, if you like, yep. um, have yep. said in front of Chloe, you'll never walk again. You've got unrealistic expectations to her face. And some mm. have said, you know, you'll never have, um, you'll never in, have a partner again yeah. in your life. Oh. And you got, and you, and you got to get happy about that. You got to get used to it. That's that's how it's going to be. And you you serious? Well, a lot of yeah. crap, you know. And what a load of bollocks. But I've, been, I've got so angry in, you know, in front of people, I never quite lose it. But I felt like and, and I'm we, pretty close. Pretty close. I, yeah. I have to be but, honest, guys. <laughs> I've lost it a few times, and my big but, brothers have lost it too a few times. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, and it's just stupid. They 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 you know put themselves up as so-called experts, and they yep. they know nothing. Yeah. So for those folks, we just cut them. You don't want to know anything about them. I show them the door. That's it. We're not coming back. You move to the uh, next. And we we keep looking, and and we've had some absolutely wonderful caregivers or um, professionals that have helped Kai. Yes, and and an event like I we keep changing providers, physios, speech therapists, almost every two or three years, um, until we find the right one. But they run out of ideas, they yes. run out of experience, and Chloe's continue to improve. So therefore, you know, they, they, some of them you get to a stage where they've they've topped out. They don't know anything more and can't take it to the next stage. Well, the challenge is to find the next person who can take it to the next change. Yes. And we've been relentless at that. We don't put up with nonsense and we look constantly for people that can help. And we just cut the negative ones out immediately. Yep. We don't, don't need them. They don't, don't know. And it just really totally surprises me how, um, how these people are and they still operate. And I just wonder how many people get uh, discouraged by that yeah. and, and totally. just... Accept it where you know we don't you know I mean? no, we don't and, and and we've you know like the thing is like we're feisty fighters we we're not people that give up but how many people go under the bus who don't have feisty daughters or fathers or um, people that will help them I, I had times at the hospital where like in front of my mum I remember vividly we had a we were finally got into a physio program because she wasn't ACC like you guys so we didn't get a lot of support and I finally got her into a, a physio program after a year and we did this this training with them, which was absolutely pathetic. I could have done more in my, you know, my lunch break than they did. Um, mm. And at the end of the six weeks, they'd done all these tests with her and they'd talked to her like she was an idiot. And we were in this panel that we had to present to see whether we were allowed to stay in the program. And uh, we, we were taken into this room and they said to her, look, Isabel is below the level of the worst dementia patient we've seen. There is absolutely no hope. She will never do anything again. Um, we're not going to continue in the program. And this is in front of my mum, right? And, and I just turned around to my mum and I said, uh, how does that make you feel, mum? And she said, well, I was feeling quite empowered until I heard that, that I'm below the level of dementia patient. Now I'm absolutely depressed and I don't know what to think. And their mouths dropped open. They had never heard her speak. A full sentence because they talked down to her. They had mm. never realised she had an intelligence there that they they had ignored. And these are the professionals, yeah. these are the doctors, these mm. are the physiotherapists. And you know, I'm not saying they're all like that. For thank God they're not. No, no they're, they're not. Some complete idiots. 
Um, yeah. And we, yeah. Told, we told them to love their program. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen heaps. You've, I bet you've seen heaps because I've seen heaps. And, um, and people who had told me, even, you know, good physios who had come to the end of their abilities, who told yeah. me, you won't get any more. Yeah, That's yeah. rubbish. Heard it, heard it, heard it. Heard it. it. Yeah, and, and you can imagine when you've got a 78-year-old, how they're even more so. Because they're like, she's 78, what do you want? You know, let yeah, her yeah. go. No, she's my mum and I'm going to fight and I want her to live to 120. You know, that's my attitude. And, yeah. and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not happy with where we're at yet. I'm very, I'm glad we're here, but I want more. And Chloe wants more. And yeah. we keep looking for the next layer of people that can help us. And that's why yeah. we keep exchanging ideas. And I've got a couple for Chloe to, to look into. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that, that was really my point. I think just don't give up. And when, when you get advice that you don't think is right, seek a second opinion or just go elsewhere. You know, just cut them out. They're not worth, worth boring, uh, talking to. Our, um, my niece is just qualified as a medical doctor. And I said to her, she was here with us just over Christmas period, said to her, what, you know, what do they teach you about hyperbaric oxygen treatment? And she said, nothing. 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 Absolutely nothing. How absolutely stupid is that? Because hyperbaric works for almost everything. I dislocated my shoulder playing rugby years and years ago. And when they told me what I needed a shoulder reconstruction, I thought, and I was functioning okay, but I couldn't wash my hair with my left um, um I thought, well i'll wash it with my right what's, exactly. what's the problem but so i put up with uh, that for years and years and after that first 20 treatments and yeah, i was able to use my wow because you were in with treatment. chloe you yeah. were yeah so hyperbaric works there's no question about there's it. no question there's no question. grows like crazy and goes thick and, and, and your fingernails they grow real quick so tell me you know nobody can tell me it doesn't work because it absolutely does it does but, when I asked Dr. Scott Shear, who was on this, um, you know, earlier this, this podcast, what he said to me, if we can get three treatments for anybody who's had a heart attack or stroke uh, within a few days, we can halve the mortality rate. And I yeah. said, why the hell is this not in every single ICU in the world? And he said, because there's no money to be made in it. He said, that's yeah. and this is from a doctor. This is not from yeah. Um, yeah. Being, being fought by the... Um, by the um, tool companies, you know, they, they no don't No make... company behind it. And so no, they won't do the clinical trials. They yeah. won't do anything because you can't patient oxygen and they can't make money out of it. And unfortunately, that is the general state of our health system. It's very yeah. pharmacological based and it's very surgery based. And while they're brilliant at surgery and they're brilliant at those parts of the puzzle, they're no good when it comes to chronic health management and they're no good when it comes to a situation like this. And that's why, you know, I know this is controversial. I know this will piss some people off, but this is our experience. And it needs to be shared because there's a hundred other people that will back up what we're saying, a thousand other people. Yeah. You know, interesting, interesting enough, I was in a hairdresser, I got a hair, good haircut down at uh, Tairua uh, <laughs> two days ago anyway. The next, next um, uh, customer in the door was an American lady and we are talking about, hyperbaric then she said well funnily enough almost every new mall that you go into in the states nowadays has a wellness clinic and they have a hyperbaric chamber in. there you go 
So yeah, it's, it's growing. It's, it's growing <laughs> and, and, and they're popping up all over New Zealand. I, I opened a clinic here with a, what they call a mild hyperbaric facility. So we can't afford the big ones with the big medical grade, but they are just, as, just about as good. Not quite as good, but just about as good. They don't have 100% oxygen. And these are popping up all over the country. So if, guys, if you want to find out about it, this is not just for people with brain injuries. This is for people who want anti-aging, good for your, for athletes. This is good for healing wounds. This is absolutely proven stuff. And there is clinical trials overseas, and it is a powerful. And by the same token, there's a 100 other uh, therapies or biohacking or whatever you want to call it, stuff out there that is worth looking into. We can't give recommendations for everything there is, but there's a hell of a lot that I've tried. Um, and all combined together, you know, do the risk do the risk assessment yourself. And if you think it's for you, go for it. And don't be told what you can and you can't do. And and you know, just keep powering on. Chloe, Brian, you've been fantastic today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's really, really important. It's so important, Chloe, that you get out there and you tell people this journey that you've been on. There's a reason why you've been through this. And we've got to turn it into a positive, even though it's been hell for you and your family. Yeah. I, this is why the book, for me, is important, to get it out there to share these insights so that other people don't have to have it as hard as we did. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. And if we can yep. help people, then that's great. So if anybody wants to reach out to Chloe, where do they find you, guys? You're famous now, Chloe. <laughs> yeah. My journey back to running, my Facebook page. My journey back to running, Facebook. So Chloe Hogan on Facebook, they can find you there under Chloe Hogan. Would that be right? Chloe M S Hogan. Okay, Chloe M S Hogan. What a complicated name you've got. <laughs> I got pretty names. Chloe Monique Sophia. Oh, wow, that is very fancy. <laughs> yeah, Sophia was my grand aunt. Oh wow, that's a pretty cool name. So Chloe M S Hogan. If anyone wants to reach out to Chloe, I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. If anyone wants to reach out to me or to Brian, please let us know. You can email me, and I can pass any messages on. Um, if you've got any questions, thank you very much, guys, for sharing your story. We've got to get it out there more. It's an absolutely amazing story, and you and Mum Chloe are both rock stars. So thanks mm. for being so. Thanks, Lisa. For pushing the limits this week. I hope that that was really interesting for you and you took some really strong takeaways from that interview with Brian and Chloe. Um, it's been a, a, an amazing to watch uh, her journey over the last few years parallel to my mum's um, and some of the insights that we've both gained are really uh, along the same path. So I hope you'll take heed of some of the notes that we took. Um, I just wanted to remind you to hop on over to our website if you want to check out our programs. We've got three flagship programs. We've got our online run training academy, Running Hot, where you can learn everything you need to know about running. Whether you are doing your first 5K or 10K or maybe you're going for a half marathon, um, or if you're doing your 100th, 100th miler, we would love to help you. We have a holistic run training system that is based around our five pillars. So these are your run training sessions, your mobility work, your strength work, your nutrition, and your mindset. And all those pieces of the puzzle are really, really important. It's not just about putting one foot in front of the other and winging it and seeing how you go. It's certainly not when, once you start getting into the longer distances or once you start running into sort of any injury issues 
So please check that out. We also have Mindset U, which is our Mental Toughness Academy. And this is all about developing a, a stronger mindset. You know, all the stuff you just heard about in the interview with Chloe, that sort of stuff. It's about resilience, it's about persistence, it's about overcoming that negative voice in your head, those limiting beliefs that were programmed into you perhaps as a young person, all of that sort of good stuff. So check out Mindset U. And the third program that we have is our epigenetics testing program. Now this is just really next level. Now this is a program that's been put together by hundreds of scientists working from 15 different science disciplines to look specifically at your genes and how they are expressing right now. And so this is the next step in personalized health. Never before in the history of mankind have we ever had an insight into our bodies like we do now. And that information can help us really nail down our health problems, our optimizing our health, turning the, the clock back on time, and reaching high performance, um, it will give you information right from like having Google for your for your own body, basically, you know, it'll tell you exactly the right foods to eat, the right times of the day, your chronobiology, all about the different times of the day, your hormones, when they're replacing what your dominant hormones are, uh, it'll give you information on your mindset, how your mind works, which parts of your brain you use the most. Oh, just absolutely next level information. So if you want to check out our epigenetics program, hop on over to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the programs button and you'll see all three of our programs. I've also got our new book, Relentless, coming out on the 11th of March, 2020. Now this is the story of bringing my mum back from a massive aneurysm and you can pre-order that book now if you do pre-order it you'll get free access for the next three weeks only um, to Mindset U so you'll get your free access to Mindset U you'll also get a discount on the book if you pre-order it the book does not ship until the 11th of March but if you support me in getting this underway I'm actually going to give you access to Mindset U now that's a value of 275 and that program has been running for a few years and has helped countless people. So if you want to get, this is a one-time only offer, only to promote the book, please head on over to the shop at lisatamati.com, hit under the books button and you'll find Relentless, the pre-orders available there. So thanks very much for your time everyone and we'll see you again next week. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.